I got a phone call here from um, India, I think it is. It's somebody calling in from India. Marty Hooper wanted to give us a call this morning. Uh, he's involved in ministry down there, so let's see if we can plug him in and see what happens here. You want to put him on there and let him talk. Speak, Marty. Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, well, no, we can't. Uh, we could hear you, but we can't now. Doesn't like him after all, huh? Today is media mess-up day. <laughs> Nothing is... I mean, they worked hard. Poor Mark, man. He, he started, uh, you know, an hour and a half ago working on this thing, trying to get something going. He said, okay. And I said, oh, can we do this real quick with this? Sure we can. Well, maybe we can't. So we'll see. How, how are we doing there, Clint? Do you think it's going to work at all? He talks. If he talks, yeah, talk, Marty. Talk. Hello, everybody. So it's good to be able to speak to all of you this morning. You've had an incredible weekend. Yesterday we visited a probably uh, ten different little churches covered many kilometers. Uh, where we've been able to drill ten wells to provide fresh water for all those dear brothers and sisters. Woo-hoo. I want to <laughs> thank all of you for helping me to get over here uh, so that we can have this experience. It's been incredible. Today we uh, ministered in a little building. Uh, we preached and shared with these people where we had drilled wells last year. And then uh, uh, this afternoon, we Thanks so much, Marty. We appreciate you, buddy. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. We're going to pray for you right now, all right? Hey, let's all pray. Father, thank you for Marty, for his ministry, for how you're using him in in marvelous ways there in India. Thank you for these wells so people can have fresh water. We ask that you'll use that water to bring them to the place where they'll experience your living water and they'll find their lives changed. Continue to use Marty and his evangelistic abilities. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Marty. God bless. Woohoo! Well, that was kind of fun, huh? That worked. Oh, good stuff. Boy, so we've gone all the way to India. Now we're coming back home. And we're going to visit heaven for a minute. As we go back to the Christmas day, we find ourselves thinking about the shepherds. What took place? Now, last week we talked about Isaiah. And how he presented to us this wondrous hope, this recognition of what God was going to do and how he would bring it about. And today what we want to do is we want to light the second candle. And the second candle is a faith candle. So we have the hope candle. We have the second candle, the faith candle. And it's all about Advent. And Advent simply means coming. It's the coronation of a king. It's going to happen. It's going to take place. It's the coming that happened here. So with that idea in mind, listen to this. An angel appeared to the shepherds and said, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Today in the city of David has been born to you a Savior. A Savior. Father, we remind ourselves of your coming 2,000 years ago, and we ask that you'll remind us of that truth even today. Let us experience your power and your life this Christmas, responding to you as Mary did, responding to you as Joseph did, responding to you as the angel spoke, and faith, believing that what you had told them would take place had now happened. Thank you, Lord. Let your blessing be in our life, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we get ready to light this second candle, we're going to ask the Hartman family to come up. 
So the Hartman fans, come on, why don't you give them a hand? Give them a hand. Woohoo! And they'll get ready here, and we got the power popper here. I guess you get that whole thing in and pop this candle here. Great. And now tell us your Christmas tradition. Um, our Christmas tradition is each year we bake a birthday cake for Jesus. On Christmas morning, the kids help us, and um, then we eat it at like 10 o'clock in the morning because we started at 8, and we can only wait two hours before we can get our Christmas cake. <laughs> Well, that sounds like fun to me. All right. Thanks so much, you guys. Hey, when we think about this special day, give them a hand. Yes. There's a, there's a song that always comes to mind with me. Let's listen and see if this will work for us. A special clip we've got. It's called Mary, Did You Know? It is so amazing as I think about the marvelous fact you were born into this small, tiny body. And yet in the midst of that, you were everything and all things. You were the spoken word. You were truth. Uh, you were hope and life. Uh, so difficult to comprehend. And yet we remind ourselves this Christmas of that special incarnation. God coming to us. Emmanuel. Uh, God with us. Continue to stir our hearts and remind us of who you are. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to be uh, learning from Pastor Egypt, so he's going to come up now, and he's going to lead us in our message today. So why don't we give Egypt a hand? Thank you. <laughs> Every time I see you, I just want to smile. Yeah. Good morning. How's everyone? Yeah, it's so <laughs> a little chilled. Yeah, I resemble that remark. Yeah, knuckles. Yeah, are are numb. It's just interesting. Uh, I put a petition forward uh, that we would remove all the chairs. I'm working on this with Lee right now. We'll replace them with treadmills so that uh, we can kind of get the the body heat going here. You know, that way we all stay alert. I remember uh, my military days. We we had a term called "stay frosty." And really what it meant was to stay alert. And uh, there's something to be said about being just a little bit cold. <laughs> Keeps us a little bit alert. You get warm, you get comfortable, you, you start to doze off. And today I want to I bring you into a day in the life of. You know what, it, what probably concerns me more now than it did, say, 30 years ago, is that Christmas isn't just another day. It isn't a thing or an idea. Um, we traditionally call the day after Thanksgiving Black Friday. But I've noticed now, and it may be just my perspective, but I noticed that really there is no Thanksgiving anymore. Quite frankly, we, we've actually bombarded the entire day with go out and shop, go out and shop. And, and the focus is propelled into something else long before we either sit down and it's not even about the meal. It really is more about the family interaction. And some of you may say, well, I don't have family. I come from a broken family. Well, you always have family. You always have friends. He who has a friend or wants to be a friend must first show himself friendly. And I'm always intrigued by the things that we never ask. I've heard the Christmas story so many times, and we kind of shut ourselves off, or we go into idle mode. We want to get past a specific section. Well, today is a little bit different. I, I kind of want to bring you into what I call the day in the life of. And as I prepared this week here, this was really kind of an interesting week for me. And uh, quite frankly, it's been an interesting year. Uh, sometimes it seems like God has to allow us to get to a place, maybe not geographically, but certainly spiritually, uh, to really see and perceive. I'm sure many of you have had the experience of looking for your keys before <laughs> and you've just freaked out, can't find my keys. And then you move into the next mode of being angry. It'd be easy to be angry at yourself, but it's easier to be angry at someone else. Who moved my keys? 
So we go into blame mode and we go ballistic looking for our keys. And all along, the keys were right in front of you. Has that ever happened to you before? It, it happened to me this week. It happened to be the week that I'm preparing for this. So I, it, it happened to me this week and I am just, I, I just about lost it. Couldn't find my keys and it was right in front of me. Now, let's be honest. Keys don't have legs. They didn't just all of a sudden walk and they were just duping me and hiding behind the pillow. Ha, I got them. You know, it was none of that. They were always there. I saw, but I never perceived. I saw, but I never perceived that my keys were right there. I looked at them multiple times, but for whatever reason, they did not register. This is what I'm looking for. And I'm convinced everyone in this room is looking for something. We're all looking for something. I mean, really, life is short. Is this a a new phenomenon to you? I mean, life really is short. I'll be honest with you. This is probably the fastest year I've experienced in my life. I can't believe Christmas is close to two weeks away. And then we start at the top of the year again. This year has burned up very quickly. Let's follow along with me. Here's what's very interesting. Have, uh, I, was, uh, I was with a group of young people earlier in the week, and someone used this expression back in the day. You ever heard that before? You always know how old someone is or what their perspective is based upon what they perceive as back in the day. <laughs> and it was embarrassing to me when I heard things like, you know, back in the day when we had MySpace. I thought to myself, wow, we know you are, you're young, you're, you're really young. Things like, how many of you moms remember what a pog is? Remember pogs? Crazy. Cabbage Patch Dolls, typewriters, that's how I got through college. Yeah, typewriters, eight track tapes, mm-hmm. You remember how you had your favorite song, but you knew how to click that track so that because there was another song that was your favorite on another track at the right time. Yeah, crazy stuff. Well, what, in, what happens over the stories when you start regurgitating back in the day, stories change. Why? To maintain somewhat of a, of a flair for luster and, and exaggeration. So we kind of add to the story. Before you know it, it's an exaggeration of the original story. But the Christmas story has never changed. It's never changed. And if you're not amazed that... God was born to a virgin teenager, which has all kinds of issues in and of itself. Young teenage girl. Wow, how do you calculate that? So when you least expect it, God steps on the scene. So let me begin by saying this. Merry Christmas. It's something that's rarely said or promoted today. As a matter of fact, I think there's a sense of embarrassment that comes with saying the words Merry Christmas. Young man at the grocery store a couple days ago was walking by and I, he caught me off guard. Happy holidays. And it was one of those, I didn't know, I wasn't even ready. But I go, and I turned around and said, Merry Christmas. And he goes, and kept walking, kept walking. I said, wow, is that kind of where we are today? We know that today is a day of faith, and if you are anything like me, we have predictable behavior. We want to go to the end of the story and kind of get all the cliff notes and figure out what the end of the story is before actually listening and experiencing the story. Faith, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, so faith is being sure of what we hope for, but certain of things we cannot see. But we also know that faith, it, it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because we first must do a couple of things. We have to first believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's Hebrews eleven six. And what's amazing about this word diligent means we have to be hungry. Just like you are on Thanksgiving. So much work goes into preparing a meal all day long. And if it's anything that's annoying is to sit down and eat that meal and you're full within three minutes. And you're like, man, I labored for 40 hours. And now I'm too full to finish my plate. Well, when God feeds us, I have to tell you, there's something that changes in us. A hunger, a desire, a thirst for righteousness, as Matthew 5, 6 reminds us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. They will be filled. What I want you to do is turn with me to the book of Luke. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, that's the cool part, it's just the first chapter. And really the backdrop of today's day in the life comes from 
Luke, and what I'd like to do is, uh, Mark, are we going to be able to run that clip? Is that good? Okay, so here's that spot. Rather than me kind of give you the cliff notes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow a child to, to give you what Christmas is really all about before we continue going. I love when a child tells, speaks the truth so powerfully and so clearly as that and then puts his thumb in his mouth. <laughs> That's the really neat part. That's when you know you really got it going on. You know, you just suck your thumb afterward and that just validates it all. But who doesn't love Linus? I mean, it's amazing that this is actually still broadcast on national television, quite frankly. The gospel message summed up in the Gospel of Luke by Linus lays it all out. Some amazing things happen, and quite frankly, when you least expect it, one of the things that I would say is, God is always intervening in my life. He's, he's intervening in my lives when I think I expect it, but He really leaves a resounding impact on me when I least expect it. I want to be clear about a couple things. Today's message, you'll see a, a lot of references to angels, but this message today is not about angels. Quite frankly, the thread, the common thread in each one of these accounts has an encounter with an angel. And that's what makes it so unique. Angels, being the servant of God, just as we are, have taken on a specific role and focus in their lives. And, and you know what, what's really neat about angels? Is they are faithful. They are faithful to the one in whom they represent. I always said as the oldest of five to a single mother, I didn't have a dad to model the level of sternness, rules, relationship, order, how to be a man. A lot of this I had to learn from my grandfather and on the fly. But what's really interesting about my mom, when it came down to issuing discipline, there was one of those, there was no or else, you know, things like time out. These things didn't exist. You I don't even know where those things came from, but I got to tell you, if I ever, when I was out of line or one of my brothers were out of line, it was just a, this is the deal. Know who you're talking to. You know, it was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And I didn't grow up in a military family, but this is how I was taught to, to honor my elders. And I always say at the beginning, there's this, this sense of recognition to recognize, know who you're representing. So the life of the, the messenger is, is one that's a little bit unique because the messenger often takes the heat for the credibility and the authority of the one in whom they're delivering the message. Now, in over half the books of the Bible mentioned at least 300 times are the accounts of angels, the experiences of angels. And let's be honest, if we said we saw an angel today, what would you think? What would be the first thing you think? <laughs> there you go. Uh, what you been smoking? <laughs> Can I have some of that? You know, you would be thinking, something's wrong with you. you. You've lost it. That would be the very first thing on your mind. And yet I think God wants to do the miraculous out of the ordinary. And he does. I'm always interested in the things when I'm out of this country, particularly either in Latin America or, or Central Africa, and people tell of these bizarre accounts. I mean, really crazy things. I just like, really? <laughs> you sure that wasn't a CG or, you know, some sort of a special camera effect? No, it's real. And people testify to it. Number one, they magnify God. You know, uh, Pastor Eric, some time ago, I want to say it was last year. No, it wasn't last year. It was this year. It tells you how quickly this year is going by. Uh, we had that prayer night, and uh, for many years I've known about this this acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. You saw where my mind just stalled there for a second. I know what it is. ACTS, a model for prayer. And what I talked about, predictable behavior, us going to the end of the story, that's how we often pray as well. We go right to supplication, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's what I call the Jimmy complex. My name is Jimmy. I'll take all you gimme. You know, we expect God to just keep flowing into us, keep flowing in us. We just put it in our coin of prayer, pull the lever, cha-ching, and out comes our miracle. But angels adore God. I love in Nehemiah 9, 6 says, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. 
Now, if you're being honest like me, uh, at least in this moment, I'm not always honest, but I want to be honest right here. That's not my attitude seeking God. My first attitude is, you're awesome. What can I get from you? And it is a broken and flawed model. And in spite of that model, God still intervened in life and saved mankind. How amazing is that? I mean, if we stop becoming amazed at the things that matter most, we have absolutely lost it. And perspective is everything. Let me ask you, of you parents, of you parents here today, what would be the top three character traits you would want your child to have? I mean, no one ever said, you know what, I can't wait till we have a little baby. Oh, they're going to just be the most crookedest thief out there. We're going to teach them how to, you know, just invent new ways of tax evasion. And just, No one thinks that way. So you think on the opposite side. You think at the end of the day, is, is humility in your top three? Is humility? Hmm. Maybe, maybe not. What about leadership? When you start to think about the things that you would want in your child, think about what God desired in us. Holiness. Something we don't really expect. Lurking around the corner, holiness. The next is what I call the report. You know, angels report on things. I look at them as like almost like accountants, but not in the sense of just accounting for things, but they report. They literally deliver God's message to its intended purpose. So they are messengers of God, both of good news and of bad news. Let's be clear about that. I mean, I'd be honest, I would not want to be a, the recipient on the end of a bad news. You know, when an angel shows up, uh, I just, just want you to know you're going to die. That would, okay. That's not good. Well, wait a second. There, we often see the good news, you know, behold, the Lord has favor upon you. You will be born with child. And this is a great news. Well, wow, that's kind of interesting. Let me kind of break this down a little bit because I want to vet you. And oftentimes we want to vet God like a purchasing manager. He put you through all the criteria to make sure that you stack up. Revelation 1.1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which gave him to show his, to his bondservants the things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated by his angel to his bondservant John. So his angel communicated this message. Could God have done it? Of course he could, but he elected to use an angel to communicate that message. And the third being here, what I call the represent. This is a neat thing because the message of the, the angel gives us a unique privilege to be able to represent him by ministering to us. This whole idea of train a trainer or touch one life, you touch another life, I do not because I have to, but because I get to. Well, that's a different perspective. But angels minister to God's people. He, they minister. Hebrews 1.14 says, not all, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? It's, it's a rhetorical question. It's, of course they are. This is their purpose. This is their, their mission in life. And I'm going to just briefly go over these before we, look, we touch on four specific key role characters, four people, groups that were touched and changed mankind forever. Rules of engagement for an angel is very interesting because there's so much interest and maybe thirst for the supernatural. Angels and demons, we make movies about them, we make books about them, we make up stories about them. And we're intrigued about them more so than we're intrigued by our creator. That's amazing. Angels don't just come with proposals. They don't come with petitions. Hey, you know, God just wants to know, is it possible that possibly, you know, you could possibly kind of possibly do something possibly for him? No, they, they aren't there to negotiate. They come with a very specific message bearing an announcement. They do what needs to be done and they leave. And that, which leads me to this idea of urgent versus important. And many of us live our lives on things that are urgent, but we fail to do what's important. So we're always in what I call reaction mode or reactor mode, freak out mode, solve, solve, solve. And we never really do what's important. The angel has a firm grip and understanding on the difference between the two, between what's urgent versus what's important. Number two, they typically cause people to be afraid. And I see this consistently. The angel says, do not be afraid. When they come on the scene, don't be afraid. This is a... Uh, 
This is an interesting thing to me because, quite frankly, I don't know how they look. I don't know if they, you know, have a big giant head with big eyes or really skinny or do they look like a person that's just really beefed up. They look like an MMA fighter and, you know, you, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But oftentimes they incite fear in the one in whom they're communicating. Isaiah 6, 3 says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I have a question for you. Can you honestly say this earth is full of God's glory? I mean, this is, I will ask again, can you say that the whole earth is full of God's glory? I got to tell you, being on the ground is different than having a perspective from the sky. You know, last year I took uh, Danielle uh, for her birthday up to uh, Paris, Lake Paris to skydive. It's really kind of, Interesting what happens from from altitude, the earth looks completely different from up high. I mean, really, I, you you feel like, oh, I could touch Coronado Island. I could, da, da, da. you know, you get much higher and you start to see the curvature of the of the earth. And, it, and it's an unusual, it's an unusual look. About 10 years ago, I actually did a night dive. I had to do that as a part of a certification jump around midnight. You can only do that in a full moon, and it's really interesting because it's this bright at about 16,000 feet. I can see you just like this, 16,000 feet. And then around 8,000 feet, it just, it's, it's pitch black like an abyss. The only way I can navigate is through my strobes and lights on the ground and understanding my wind speed and things of that nature. But my perspective up high is very different than when I'm on the ground. And militarily, it's the same thing. The groups on the, the troops on the ground need air cover. They need someone with a bigger view. God's glory consumes this earth in spite of what we think, according to the gospel of the news. We have to be, we have to be very, very careful about where we extract the truth. And third and final, before we really get into it, is angels are never really to be worshipped or adored. I mean, let's make that very clear. They are, they are God's servants as you and I are, but you are never to bow down to them and worship and glorify them. I love in Revelation 22, 8 and 9 says, Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I, saw, when I heard and saw, I fell down and worshiped before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God alone. Only worship God. Whatever you do, worship God only. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, this is a matter of faith. Some say they have faith. Others try to demonstrate their faith. Others try to prove their faith. But faith, by definition, must be tested. Faith, by definition, must be tested. I mean, sometimes I really wonder about our declaration when we say, I choose to follow Christ. Do we really understand the magnitude of what that means? You know, John 15 reminds us that, you know, when Jesus says, hey, don't don't find it some sort of a a weird thing. The world first hated me, it's going to hate you. If you represent me, (laughs) the world's going to hate you. So that's a known and given fact. But the first account I love here, because as the scriptures reveal a name of an angel, his name was Gabriel, he appeared to Zechariah and... uh, I love this in, in Africa, a uh, young man, uh, they, they pronounce things on different syllables than we do. It's, we say Zechariah, but he says Zechariah. And I'm like, who's Zechariah? He's like, who is this guy? He's like, oh, oh, I mean, oh, okay. And he says, I always say Tanzania. He says Tanzania. I'm like, okay, we're done. Uh, but nevertheless, Zechariah the priest, what an amazing man. It old, older, advanced in his years. And, you know, his wife, Elizabeth, he and, he and his wife, Baron hadn't had any children, but this angel Gabriel appears to him. And this is his first account. What was so amazing to me wasn't so much that the angel appeared during Zechariah's uh, rotation or his duty to serve in the, the temple, but it was his attitude toward the angel. So the angel opened up with what I love is the, the first monologue here it says then the angel of the lord appeared to him in verse 11 luke 1 11 says uh, standing on the right side of the altar of incense and here's where the angel is so when zechariah saw him he was troubled and fear fear fell upon him but the angel said do not be afraid zechariah 
for your prayers heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John, and you'll have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready the, a people prepared for the Lord. Now, really, that's a mouthful. But what's really amazing about it is the angel held nothing back. This was like, this was huge. This was, this was a massive declaration of what was about to happen. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a possibility. This was a fact. It's coming down. I want you to get ready. But it was Zechariah's response. He responds, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Really, it's a, it's, a, it's a position of unbelief. You remember, what was it, Lee? Three years ago, we did that truth project. Maybe even four. I don't know how long it was. But I'll never forget John chapter 18, verse 37. When Jesus confessed what you say is true i am a king for this very reason i was born to bear witness to the truth and what did Pilate say what's truth we look at that and if you read it like the new york times you would say what is truth and you'd say oh Pilate was really interested no he wasn't he was cynical and in the same way zechariah was like how shall i know this it was a position of doubt dude you're a priest you're supposed to be the model of, of truth and, and the embodiment of God's spirit and, and faithfulness. You surely should believe and trust an angel when he's telling you the truth. And he's being very descriptive about it. He didn't just give you a fact. Hey, uh, guy, you're going to have a kid. I'm out of here. He didn't cut him off. He was very detailed in his account. It's very long. And I love the way the angel responds. It's not only short, I almost sense an error of, you've lost your marble, Zechariah. He says, and the angel answered and said to him, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. If that's all he said, it's kind of like the, I'm the parent, you do what I said because. That's when we run out of excuses and we run out of reasons. We just start putting because on things. Because. That's just the way it is. <laughs> that just basically means I don't have an answer to fill the rest of that. It says, and the angel says, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you to bring you these glad things. But behold, <laughs> you're going to be mute and not make, not able to speak until the day these things take place. Now, wait a second. Pregnancy, that's basically nine months. Uh, she wasn't yet pregnant. So that was nine months plus a little bit of swag time. Um, okay. Wife, um, older than 75-ish, 75, 85, somewhere in there, um, because we know that's common. Um, hmm. I'm being sarcastic, guys. Either You're a little too frosty. <laughs> yes, I'm going to go home and pray that Grandma has a baby. <laughs> Grandma's like, you better not. Uh, but something happens in this whole muting. So the angel rendered a judgment upon Zechariah and muted him throughout the entire time of the pregnancy. Now, I realize that there are some wives that would love to have their husbands mute for like nine months, uh, but this wasn't the way to go about it. But his own unbelief in his heart indicted him, and God was going to continue to show himself faithful, which leads me to my first question for you. Really, I, I need to do this. I'm going to give you 90 seconds uh, seriously, don't go anywhere. Don't get up. This is not a invite your time around. I want you to think about something that God has made clear to you. He's told you something. And you're like, oh, man, why did he have to say that? I was hoping no one would ever bring that up, ever. God's told you something. He's revealed something to you. But the truth of the matter is you really, you struggle with believing it. You struggle with believing. What is that thing? Why don't you write that down in your in your bulletin right now. There's something that's been gnawing at you for the longest time. You're on the clock, and I want to give you 90 seconds of just quiet time to really flush out all the distractions, no football games, no, you know, where you going for lunch after church, you know, and the kids to pick up, just all the stuff that's attacking your mind right now, I want you to just flush it and think about what is it that God has revealed to you? He has spoken very clear to you 
in the past or currently about something, but you just don't believe. You're struggling with unbelief. You're on the clock. We're back. That was a bit awkward, wasn't it? Kind of interesting as uh, children, (laughs) we love noise and ruckus and moving about and always being busy doing stuff. And as we grow older, we we covet quiet time. And there's something strange about quiet time, especially if you have children. It's almost like the anti-venom. What's if it's quiet, mom's radars just go up like something's wrong. Like it should be always loud and something's going on or someone's screaming. But the moment it's quiet, it's, a, it's an unfamiliar territory that we need to visit every day. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. What's interesting about the first half of that is that you don't really see God's exaltation, his honor, his holiness until you're still we being still literally means to imply to be still and shut up no radio no tv no ambient noise no humming a tune no listening to music no trying to find something to keep the cadence of your time literally a dark cell just go into your closet shut the door yeah it's creepy in there yeah it smells a little weird but just find your place of quiet So Zechariah denied and doubted God. He denied and doubted God when he laughed in response to Gabriel the angel. So angel, the angel Gabriel delivers the message. Zechariah in his own unbelief doesn't receive what God says to him. Number two, Mary. She's an interesting one, a teenager. Some theologians even say as young as 13, 14 years old-ish somewhere near but nevertheless she's a teenager and i love what the scriptures say about her listen to this in luke 1 verse 26 now the sixth month the angel now in the sixth month meaning the sixth month of elizabeth's pregnancy gabriel was sent to god was sent by god to a city of galilee named nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was joseph of the house of david now this whole idea you know you can hear this a million times and still miss this but mary the virgin Mary, the virgin, like who today is identified by their sexual obedience? Here's Doug, the virgin. Here's, you know, Sheila, the virgin. I mean, it's just you, it's profound. A virgin, a teen girl. This was pretty amazing. It says the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled, just like Zechariah was troubled. So the angel follows up with a do not be afraid. And I love that because the angel was very consistent in knowing man's response. Knowing man's response is shudder and fear with something I don't understand. We get pretty cocky about the things we do understand. Have you ever known that you were right? I mean, to the core of all of you, I am seriously, Lord, right now, don't, don't play. I'm right. And this person is utterly wrong. Even if they're wrong by one little shred of something in you, this is a teaching moment because you want to teach them. You want to humiliate them. You want to just hammer them. You want to give them a suplex. You want, and in your mind, you're rehearsing all this, but you're, I'm going to be kind day, right? But you just, there's something about the cockiness that it comes in the swelling up that I'm going to, I'm going to teach this person. The angel, interesting enough, is just communicating the facts that God would have him communicate to Mary. She, on the other hand, in fear, responds in a way that I think is typical. When I don't understand something, I get afraid. And I go back to my domain where I think I am safe and secure, where I can build up my fortress. God invaded her space. So Mary was not sure, but she surrendered. Not sure, but surrendered. Now, I love this. So verse 34 says, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? 
since I do not know a man. Now, some of you might say, well, that's a ripoff because Zechariah was just basically asking a simple question. My wife is old. Well, he asked, my wife is old with a heart of unbelief. But Mary's asking a legitimate question. How can this be? Because <laughs> I'm a virgin. So I don't know how that part's going to happen. And the angel fills in all the cool details. He says, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who will be born will be called the Son of God. So Mary must have thought, okay, well, then that settles it. I understand that. This has never happened. All right? This is, really, this is on par with bizarre. This is so out of measurability, scales, weights, measurements, angles. This is the supernatural invading the natural. So now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, is also conceding a son in her old age. And I love that because the angel reinforces that your old cousin, Elizabeth, she's not a young gal. She shouldn't be pregnant. She's far beyond the years of child-rearing, child-bearing, which is traumatic to the woman. And all I had to do was just see my wife go through that in the room and, you know, just, you know, all the... <laughs> and all that stuff. And I'm gripping the hand and she's, you know, you know, that... I don't know what you call that grip, but it's, it's, it's wrong. And it broke some bones, but I just remember trying to be, you know, just trying to, I thought I was trying to help her, but she was killing my hand, you know, so I backed off and it's a traumatic experience. So for an old woman to endure that was unthinkable. You would even think that that experience would kill an elderly woman. But the Holy Spirit had a specific provision and a specific plan. So... What does Mary say? For with God, nothing will be impossible. So Mary says, Behold, I am the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel left. So this is a completely different response than that of Zechariah. This is a completely different response. This is a response of, I don't get it, but I surrender. I'm your servant, Lord. That's just the deal. Not sure, but surrendered. Number three, I'm going to be very, very quick, brief on this because there's, this really could be a theme for a men's <laughs> retreat, quite frankly. Because uh, Joseph, you know, not much is said about him other than him being an honorable man, him wanting to say, hey, listen, my virgin fiance is pregnant. And she gave me this story. The, an angel came to her and, you know, he must be like, you know, I could... I could just imagine what's going through his mind. I mean, really, that, I mean, I've heard of some stories, but he must have been thinking, listen, this, this one takes the cake here. But Matthew one twenty says, listen, said, but after he had considered this, he had considered putting away his wife. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So this time the angel appears in a dream rather than in person while he is awake. It says in a dream, he says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Wow. So even in his dream, he was fearing. He was in fear. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Wow. Have you ever had one of those dreams that you swore was real? I mean, it wasn't any of that foggy stuff looking like the soap operas changing to a commercial and like, you know, the people floating around with that haziness dream state. One that is so real, it, it was just clear. I had one like that, uh, one like that in Africa about uh, four years ago. It was clear that when God revealed a few things to me, it was, yeah, I responded in fear. I knew I was dreaming, but I didn't. It was as if it was real, but it wasn't. And yet Joseph accepted and acted. So he just took it. This is the deal. This is the difference between men and women in the sense of emotion versus you know, rationale. You know, I always say guys are, we're good at two primary things. We, we build up and we blow up. So, you know, you know, it's, it's, you know, build it up. That's awesome. Now let's blow it up. Let's tear it down. Let's go build something else. And, and this whole idea that I can process that here is a category for that. Accept it, deal with it. It is what it is. This is the day I severed my Achilles tendon. It wasn't like, you know, I can come back in and play. Come on, coach, put me in. I'll just duct tape this thing up. It, was, it is what it is. 
And believe me, when you're bummed, you're bummed, but you're not going to change the facts. The facts are what they are. Now let's reconcile that part. And in the final and fourth act here are the shepherds. I just got back from Africa just over a week ago. And uh, once again, I notice even today, little shepherd boys. And Lee, you've seen these little guys, just little kids. It's amazing. They almost look like they're six, seven years old. It's like these kids are marching around big beasts of burden. And they are still just a shepherd. They're just like dirty people. Nobody wants to, you're like a nobody. You're like a true outcast. I mean, of all the jobs, you'd rather be cleaning out dumpsters or cleaning toilets than to be a shepherd. A shepherd is a true, no kidding, nobody because a shepherd actually lives among his animals. I mean, their job isn't done at, oh, we check in, we're, we're done at 8 o'clock, we're off on shift, let's go hang out, guys. No, it's they, they hang out with their animals. I can't imagine psychologically what that does to people. But the shepherds out in the field were invaded in the middle of the night. In Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 8, it says, There were shepherds living in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks by night. You've heard this. Linus even reiterated this here. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. So their immediate response was fear. But an angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And not just this cute little nativity scene that we often see, but a real unsanitary, filthy place. Last I checked, animals, donkeys and horses and cows don't, they don't leave places super clean. And it stinks. And it's cold and it's a little wet and you just don't know what you're stepping in. You want to be careful with that. But the shepherds out in the field believed it. And they received it. And I love what, a, what a, a pastor back in the 80s I used to listen to out of Denver, Colorado. His name was Andrew Womack. Maybe some of you remember him, but he was famous for this saying, you either believe and receive or you doubt and do without. And the, and the shepherds got it. They believed and they received, so they broadcast. They believed and broadcast what I call getting busy. They just got, they did with what they knew to be a fact. Now, I don't know about you, we all experience fear. But the Lord says to us, do not fear. Do not be afraid. I didn't come here to hurt you. I came here to give you peace. Peace immeasurable. Peace undefined by your mere human reasoning. I created you, so I do have a purpose for you. I do have a plan for you. I want to end on this point here, and that's this. Uh, over the last maybe six weeks, I've just been asking a simple question to lots of college students and high school students about the meaning of Christmas. Last year, actually, Black Friday last year, Eric and I went out on the streets over by uh, Best Buy, just doing some random street interviews, just to ask people, what, what are you doing this for? What, do you, what makes you want to stand in line for you know, four or five days camping out on a street curve over here in Costa Mesa to get in so you can get a big screen TV. And it's amazing the idea of Christmas. The basic understanding that the central theme, the central purpose is more than a birthday. It's more than just celebrating the birth of Christ. It is the hope of, of, of mankind. It's not merely just a birthday party. Hey, yay, we get to trade gifts. For me personally, you could take away all the gifts, take away all the stuff. If Christ isn't in it, you have no Christmas. The saying, happy holidays without the holiness of God is just a mere saying. I don't mean to rub you the wrong way or anything. We just come back to the focal point that by faith, by faith, we're able to please God and to know God. Because without faith, we have no ability to have communion with him. The second candle, this faith candle, Amazing step as we march toward the day of Christ's birth miraculously through the birth and the obedience of a teenage girl named Mary, betrothed to her husband, Joseph, declared by Gabriel the angel and the host of angels. What will your response be? Will it be to laugh at God? Will it be to humbly submit yourself and say, Lord, I'm missing out on so many things I thought I knew? 
but I'm your servant. I am yours. Will you respond as Joseph did and say, hey, listen, I believe it. Enough said. I've heard enough. I'm going to act on it. Or will you do as the, or will you do as the shepherds in the field and say, you know what? <laughs> this was one freaky night out here. It was dark and peaceful until these guys showed up on the scene. But I'll tell you what, this is real. So much so, I'm going to leave my job, my responsibility. I'm going to leave these animals behind. I'm going to go see this birth. What will be your choice for this Christmas? As you bow with me in prayer right now, I want to ask our our worship team to to come on up and also ask our ushers to to come forward. and Just take a moment right now. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. No looking around. Won't spend too much time. Just want to pray with you and pray for you. Father, you are so good. You really are. You know, the, uh, one of the most glorious things in your word is not what man can do and, or how it can be presented, but in the simplicity that you are the Lord, you are God. I think of your Hebrew name, Yeshua, Yeshua. Thank you for saving our souls. I, I pray even for those, Lord, who are struggling with the sorrow or the reminder of sorrow and pain that came from a significant event, a traumatic event in their lives that created pain and loss. I pray that you will turn their, joy, their pain into joy, Lord God, and that you will restore and renew all the broken pieces and put and restore order back to them. Don't let a single one of us leave out the same way we came with an expectation of predictability. When we least expect, Father, you move in such mighty ways. Bless our tithes and our offerings now that we may, as an act of worship and faithfulness to you, be obedient to what you've called us to. We do love you, Lord. We honor you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.